0: Get it, Jason? Do you get it, Genesis? Oh boy, Genesis, do you get it?
1: I got, I got it, I got it. Well, good try, Nate. <laughs> welcome to the Thank weekly, you. welcome to the weekly deep dive podcast on the Ed on Education Network. And, and just for the record, I I would not be opposed to having that be. Our, our intro music for the rest of the year. Good good old Genesis. You would reference. love that, wouldn't you? I would. I would. That's some good concentration music right there for me. <laughs> I don't hopefully some of
0: Actually I don't even care. Listeners, if you don't get it, I'm sorry. I do care, but maybe I just don't. If you don't know Genesis, then I don't know what to tell you. One of the greatest, raddest rock super groups of all time.
1: And, and, and that's amazing cover, by the way, by Nate, the great Piper himself, oh, yeah. as I am here in the studio with Nate. Yep. We are doing the weekly Deep Dive podcast that's on right. the Add-On Education Network, the yep. podcast where we take the weekly come follow me discussion, uh-huh. try to add a little insight we and you unique sure do. perspective. Yep, we do. Uh-huh. I am your host, Jason Lloyd. Good job, Jason. <laughs> and way to push through, dude. And Nate the singer Piper. oh yeah the singer with his rocking rendition raucous rendition amazing rendition oh thank you all right so <laughs>
0: <laughs> do we need to start over with just like the normal music do you need me no. to, do you
1: need me to throw it right here cuz i can no like i said i i would be great with genesis for the rest of the year or at That's... least until
0: we're done with genesis Let's do it. Dude, should we just do a new Genesis tune at the beginning? And not, by the way, because I don't want to get sued by Phil Collins. What if instead of a new Genesis tune each week, it's me doing a bad karaoke cover of a Genesis tune to kickstart the show each week? I'd, I'd be okay with at that, At least too. until we're out of
1: Genesis? Uh, uh, but like I said, this uh, this one you started with today, that's, that's one of my favorites. Well, it's just because I had that one on hand, because I happen to be a huge good.
0: Genesis fan. I'll tell you what. If you're listening to this podcast right now, which... You might have already checked out at this point, and to be totally honest with you, I don't blame you. Don't check out. But if you haven't checked out yet, if you want, we can do a new Genesis cover as the kickoff music, as the little bump to lead into the podcast each week. And if you want that, though, you have to email either yes or for the love, please don't do that ever again. Please yes. So you got to say yes or no at uh, hi at, weekly at weeklydeepdive.com there you go hi at weeklydeepdive.com let us know if you want me doing a karaoke genesis cover until we're out of genesis
1: absolutely in fact you should uh we should put a link to the full versions of your songs oh you should including weathering heights oh yeah okay let's not even get into that
0: let's not even open that can of worms today all right what are we talking about today
1: We've got an awesome discussion. We're diving into Genesis 3 and 4, which is going to cover the fall of Adam and Eve in the uh, Garden of Eden. And we're going to be talking about Cain and Abel. Okay, love it. And we're going to be talking about Lamech. Lamech? Lamech. And we have our first little taste of begatting, but not like full begats. We're getting there. We're warming up. That's next week, right? Next week is like a whole chapter of begats. All right, I got you, boo. You got me. All right. Good luck, everybody. Next week, we're going to survive this <laughs> together. Yeah, next week, together. Next week
0: yes, we're all in this together. I don't <laughs> know if we actually can start next week with Genesis because of what I got in store for the Bagats.
1: Oh, boy. All right. First off, uh, before we dive into today, Genesis 3-4, we did have a question from Mike out in Oklahoma listening to the show. Uh, Mike was asking, why is it in Genesis that... God is translated, Elohim is translated as God, but Joseph Smith translates it as God's in Abraham and Moses. Where the the difference between Gods versus God in Genesis. Fair question. Elohim is translated as God with a capital G and God's with an S in all throughout the Bible. It's the same word translated as both. And I think what the translators are doing in, in the in the Bible, they're using two different things to kind of help them make the the, the, the call on whether they translate it as God or gods. And and the first being the verbs that are associated with it. Because if you're saying the, the gods created, then the verb created would match the 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 plural, the third person plural. They did it right? As opposed to the, the third singular, the he did it. So, in an example for English, trying to make this uh, a little bit more comprehensive, if you were to say, they say versus he says, right? If you said God and then said says, then you would translate it as God. If you said that God's said... Then, then you would translate it as gods. So that, that said or says kind of gives you a little bit of context on how you want to translate it. But one could make the argument that the gods is is also referencing a singular group or collective group of beings to say that the gods collectively, they, they, they said, it, it, as almost like a singular group, like the group says. So if you see the says there instead of said, and I don't know if I've just lost everybody at this point. If, if you're saying they said or they, they they says, but instead of they, it's the group says, I mean, it makes sense as a collective group, you could use it. So they're using the verbs, and in here in the Bible, Vayomer Elohim, it's and he said Elohim. And so you're saying the he said, and say, okay, this, this should be translated as a singular person. However... When you get to verse, I believe it's 26, it says, And God said, Vayomer Elohim, that he said, Let us create man in our image. And now all of a sudden, you're, you're not just getting, you, you are getting that third person singular, he said, but what he said is almost treating it like a collective group in the sense that he says, Let us create, and it's very plural in the Hebrew, and the translators are true to that. You see it, let us create man in our image. So you have that that plural twice. So there is a good argument to how Elohim could be translated as God's just as much in Genesis as what you see in Abraham and Moses. It's up to interpretation and, and what you want to do. The other thing that the translators would use to try to guide their decision on whether they're translating it as God's or God is if it's referring to Israel, they, they, they tried to scrub or redact or, or clean the Bible to make Israel very monotheistic. We'll see this throughout the Bible when we hit other passages. There will be references to God's. That, that the translators will take out or change or make it seem that Israel is a lot more monotheistic than what you see in the actual Old Testament text. So if there's any confusion or there's, a, there, there's room where you could interpret it either way, the interpreters are going to take it and say, what's the monotheistic reading? What's the way that's going to make this seem more logical to, to the religion that we believe it to be? I, I hope that makes sense. I hope that answers the question. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, I didn't just muddy the waters a lot by by, by, by saying that. It's all great. All right, thanks, uh, thanks, Mike, for the question. Uh, feel free to reach out if that didn't quite explain it. Um, we're we're gonna dive into Genesis three and four and uh, see how this goes. First, this is a, as as we're talking about the fall of Adam and Eve. We're gonna preface this discussion with the fall of. Satan and and I know we talked about his his fall a little bit when we were talking about the the here am I send me and we kind of talked about Satan's plan in, in the very beginning but but let's take an opportunity as we just finished creation we're talking about Adam in the Garden of Eden and Eve and and what their fall is they're they're going to interact with Satan here and it's important to understand the fall of Satan in this context. And, and something that I hadn't really thought about before is the timeline of when Satan fell. And as I, as I go through and I read some of these, these texts that talk about this time period, a lot of them talk about how he was cast out of heaven during the six creative periods. And and I didn't really think about that, but but it makes sense because if you talk about what happened to Satan when he was cast out of heaven, uh, the the story goes as we understand it, he was cast to Earth. How can he be cast to Earth if Earth hadn't been created yet?
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And, and if you've got Adam and Eve at the very end of this creation, on the sixth day God creates man, and man is here on the earth, and man interacts with Satan, he has to have been cast out before day six to be here on the earth, uh, but af- uh, um, before day six, but after the earth is created. So sometime during this creative period. And so there are a couple of different documents that talk about that and give us a little bit of insight into that. So So first I'm going to read... From the, the the discourse on Abaddon, this uh, this is a New Testament document. This is a discussion where where Peter and the apostles are talking to the Savior, and and they ask him. Let's, uh, the Savior's answers to the very questions by the apostles. The apostles ask the Savior so that they might be able to preach about him to all mankind for they knew that men would ask them questions about everything. And the Savior did not wish to disappoint them about any matter concerning that which they asked him questions. So they asked them questions about the beginning and the fall of Satan. And and this is Christ talking to his apostles and trying to give them as good an explanation as possible. At least that's what the text purports to be. So if you'd like to read the full text, you could look it up at the Discourse on Abiton.
0: And so this is something that just obviously didn't get included in canon. Yeah, when when they were when we had the Nicene Creed or whatever was going on, right? Yeah, there are all Better sorts of it, council it.
1: Yeah, all sorts of documents. This one's uh, translated by E. A. Budge, uh, an amazing scholar. Okay, let's um, let's see, nineteen seventy-seven. Oh, killer! So it's pretty recent. So let's um, let's dive into the part where he's talking about. Um, God creates, he, he commands the angels to go get him some clay so that he can make man breathe life into it. Uh, the earth is like, no, don't take me. I don't, I don't want to form man cause man's going to be rebellious. And, and so the, the, the earth threatens to, to put a curse on the angels that come to grab the clay and the angels are afraid and come back to God and say, I'm not going to do it. And so God finds an angel that's willing to, to just go down there and, 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 Throw caution to the wind and do his will. Okay, it's all kind right. Of, kind of a wild story. I love these stories. These are great. And uh, and he gets he gets there and he puts breath into him. Um, let's see. Let's uh, let's pick up right here. And he put breath into him this way. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life three times, saying, "Live, live, live." According to the type of my divinity. And the man lived straightway and became a living soul according to the image and likeness of God. And when Adam had raised up, he cast himself down before my father, saying, My Lord, my God, thou hast made me to come into being from the state which I did not exist. Thereupon my father set upon him a great throne, and he placed on his head a crown of glory, and he put a royal scepter in his hand. And my father made every order of angels in the heavens to come and worship him, whether angel or archangel. And all the hosts of heaven worshipped God first of all, and then they worshipped Adam, saying, Hell, thou image and likeness of God. And he intended that the order of angels who were fashioned before Adam should worship him. And my father said unto him, their chief, Come thou thyself, shall come, Thou thyself shall worship my image and likeness. And he, being of great pride, drew himself up in a shameless manner and said, It is meet that this man, Adam, should come and worship me, for I existed before he came into being. And when my father saw, again, this is Christ talking to the apostles, and when my father saw his great pride, and that his wickedness and his evil doing were complete, um, He had reached their highest pitch, he commanded all the armies of heaven, saying, Remove the writing which is in his hand of the proud one, strip ye off his armor, and cast ye him down upon the earth, for his time hath come. For he is the greatest of them all, the rebellious angels, he is the head over them. And he is like a king, and he commandeth them as the general of an army commandeth his soldiers. He is the head over them, and their names are written in his hand. Thus it is with cunning one, and the names of the angels were written in his hand, and all the angels gathered together to him, and they did not wish to remove the writing from his hand. And my father commanded them to bring a sharp reaping knife, and to stab him therewith, On this side and that, right through his body to the vertebrae of his shoulders, and he was unable to hold himself up. And straightway my father commanded a mighty cherubim, and he smote him and cast him down from the heavens upon the earth because of his pride. And he broke his wings and his ribs and made helpless, and those whom he had brought with him became devils with him. It's weird that people so. Casually reject the idea that
0: Satan was in heaven with us <laughs> before this life. Like yeah. it's
1: in the text. There's all sorts of. By text the way, to it's in the New about-
0: Testament too. But I'm just saying, like, you read this and you're like, I wonder why this is such a like a hard thing for a
1: sticking point.
0: Yeah, a, such a weird sticking point for like other Christians to to like I don't know to understand or or to to buy into.
1: And uh, one of the texts, Paradise Lost, um, was it Milton who wrote yeah. that? Yes, and and it's amazing what he's doing from a literary perspective. He's mocking the the epic hero because he says that the traits that people are idolizing in these heroes are are the same traits that you find in Satan, the mm. proud, the 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 mighty, the arrogant, the that these traits that we're looking for in, in our hero. And because the similarities that he saw with the epic hero of his time that are being written about in, in the Iliad and the Odyssey and, 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 and all these stories, he, he he takes it and writes this epic story, Paradise Lost, where he makes the epic hero... Satan himself, because of all of these traits, and tries to portray him as the hero to, to, to maybe open the eyes of their audience and say, this is what we worship, this is what we hmm. find interesting. But in his, he, he, and I'm wondering if he's pulling from the same source or the other sources out there, it, it seems pretty, pretty rich that this idea that Satan refused to worship man and, it, it, and so man was created, and Satan was asked to go and worship him, and he's I'm not going to worship him. I'm greater than him. I was before him. I'm an angel, and then he gets cast out. So it's it's an interesting story. Interesting, and and it, and it's not the only perspective. I'm gonna I'm gonna read just a little excerpt here from Historia, um Historica*. And, and this is kind of a commentary on, on the Old Testament as well, it dates back quite a bit, um, they're talking about the creation. And he says, on the fourth day, so let me pick up on the, on the fourth day. On the fourth day, he created the sun and the moon and the stars, the clouds and the rain. And on the same day, the one who once brought the dawn, but who is now darkened. And it's interesting, they, they say he's the, the one that brought the dawn. Um, when you go to Lucifer... The, the the name Luce is light and feros is, is bearer uh, comes from the the Greek Phospheros light bearer uh, it, it, and it's a, it's a little bit of a translation problem from Isaiah fourteen we'll get into that when we when we dive into Isaiah in a little bit more detail but but this idea that he was the the light bearer comes from this t- this title Phospheros or Lucifer um, so going back let's see. On the same day, the one who once brought the dawn, but who is now darkened, saw heaven set an orderly array and puffed up in his mind and said to himself, I will place my throne on the clouds of heaven and be equal to the most high. By the command of God, he was hurled down from the order of the angels and deprived of his heavenly robe and instead of light became darkened blackness. And and we'll talk. we we'll come back and talk about that. It's important. This idea that he had light, and instead of light became dark and blackness. He he loses some glory here. Some say that because he did not make obedience to the man after being formed by God, he was cast out. Anathema on those who speak such nonsense. So so this guy thinks that's ridiculous. Uh, for the man was formed on the sixth day, but the adversary fell on the fourth day. So, so from this perspective, it was when the sun and the moon and the stars become visible to earth, and this idea it, associating with him that he wants to set his throne above all the stars, he wants to be the greatest, that he was cast out uh, on day four, uh, the, the, the light bearer, this, the, the bright star was cast down to the earth, which would almost make more sense playing into the story of the idea that, that Satan was here before man was here and and was inhabiting this world. And, and when Adam is created. But in, in all stories, in all regards, you get this idea that there is conflict. And, and, and the conflict is not so much between Satan and Christ. It's, it's Michael and, and the, the, the dragon, right? And it's, it's, it's Michael, as Joseph Smith points out. Michael, he says, is, is the one that becomes Adam. And this idea that Adam comes here receiving a body, and and this idea of following Christ's plan and coming down here and and keeping your first estate, receiving a second estate versus rejecting that and and this warfare that's going to be waged against um, Adam's posterity, this one-third versus these two-thirds. It's kind of an interesting setting that's kind of setting us up for the story that is the Bible. Sweet. Let's keep going. Okay, uh, when we talk about this, uh, let, let, let's um, I'll circle back to that when we talk about Adam's children. Um, let let's let's do make mention to the idea that Satan fell because he wanted to be like God. He asked for God's power. God's glory be his so that he could make himself like God. That's important as we discuss now. Let's transition the context of Adam and Eve and their fall. So in the garden, God places Adam and Eve, and it's important, I think, that that Satan comes across as very honest in the serpent here as he's he's communicating with Adam and Eve, And, and really it's not the words, it's the perspective. So, I'm going to read here the commandment that God gives to Adam and Eve in in chapter 2, leading us into chapter 3, verse 17. Let's go back to verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And and to me, this is what God is saying, is I read this command, of every tree you may freely eat. To me, and the idea of freely means you can eat without consequence. Of every tree you can freely eat or eat without consequence, except for the tree of knowledge. Because if you eat that you're going to die. There's a consequence associated. So I don't want you to eat it because it'll it'll kill you. Nevertheless, the choice is yours. Every tree you may freely eat, but of this tree you may not freely eat. Now compare that with what the serpent tells Eve in chapter three. Um and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And and the perspective, again, who's right? So God says, you may freely eat of every tree except for this one, because that one's going to have a consequence. And then Satan says, hey, God told you you can't eat of every tree. And, And he's right. God said that you can't freely eat of every tree. But what's the perspective? Right? God's saying, here, eat everything you want. Just this one's gonna mess you up. Satan says, "God said you can't do everything that you want." It's it it's it, it's it's honest deception. I don't I don't know. I mean, do you see the difference in what he's saying, or am I? I think so. And and it's like when when you look at the commandments, whether they're liberating or whether they're captivating. This idea that you can't be free because you have to follow the law. Um, God says you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. And the
0: perspective is obviously that that keeps it so that you can maintain your freedom, so that you're not subject to the negative consequences of doing the things that we're commanded not to do
1: yeah God's saying well actually you can freely do anything you want to but if you do this here or you do that it's not uh, there's going to be consequences that restrict you that take away that freedom so what
0: are you suggesting that Satan's trying to accomplish with this?
1: I'm I'm suggesting that he is going to come to these people and twist the words to make the perception of it seem more restricting than liberating.
0: And so is he doing that to try to what?
1: Well, and and what he's going to say, the next thing is, hey, if you can eat of every, what about this tree? Well, we can't eat of that tree. He says, well, that tree is going to make you like God. That's how God gained his knowledge. If you want to be like God, you have to eat of that tree.
0: By the way, there's, there's uh, there's the Satan twist right there. We talked about it last week, right? Yep. Where Satan will always give you two truths and a lie, but won't tell you which one's which ever. Right? Or he'll twist it just enough that it's that it sounds like, "Oh, this is this is a, my intentions are good here, right? Like, look, you're supposed to become like God, right? Yeah. Cool, well, this is this is how you do that. That's that's a good thing. Wait, Jason, aren't by the way <laughs> we commanded to become like God? That's exactly it. Oh, Look hey, how, this is how God got his knowledge. Well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and maybe he's being 100% honest. Or by, the way, or, by the way, too, though, is that, yes, you're commanded to multiply and replenish the earth. And, well, the only way that you can multiply and replenish the earth is intercourse with another human being. So, so to obey that commandment, oh, it doesn't matter that you're not married. Like, this is the way that you multiply and replenish the earth. Like, that's the twist every time, man. That's it. That's the twist. And the more that we can finally start to like realize that and see that in day-to-day actual like the world around us things, the more like nefarious I feel like it becomes. Because you're just like, you
1: sneaky SOB. <laughs> and and he's telling you just enough truth to get you to start buying in what he's saying. That's exactly right. And, and, and by the and, way, to just and to like
0: feel okay justifying it when you do finally reach that threshold where you do know that it's wrong, but you've been able to kind of righteously justify it up to that point.
1: And and, and he falls because he wants to be like God, and now he's using that same thing to get Adam and Eve to fall. Yes. You need to be like God. Truth? Absolutely. Absolutely you need to be like
0: God. Will this fruit make you like God? Maybe it will. Well, in some ways, absolutely. You'll it, know. You'll know good from of good evil. And evil. That's exactly right. So in some ways, that's even true too. And then, like, is, well, is this is the way. God that not this, this how maybe. God did it? Well, maybe in the beginning, sure. But but the thing is, is again, like, but it it's not in the way that you're doing this. Maybe it is. But but what you're doing is is your 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 way is you're saying because the thing is is and and we we'll probably get to this so i don't want to jump the gun too much is we, we're we're not we're going to hopefully establish that partaking of that fruit may have not been off limits down the road just like certain commandments have time frames in which they are commandments even for us right mm-hmm. such as like bearing children we're we're commanded to totally do that we're just commanded to not do that before we're married etc right so those aren't two conflicting commandments right the fruit thing isn't a conflicting ma- commandment necessarily because, yes, they were commanded to multiply and replenish the earth, but who knows when that was supposed to take place, like like, like various other commandments that we have, right? And so that's—but that's his spin, right? Is that he's going, you need to take of this fruit. Well, truth be told, they probably do need to partake of that fruit at some point to fulfill the rest of the commandments, or else you have like a for real—like a— Not paradox, but whatever. I'm just saying it's like you would actually have like an actual problem if they were supposed to never partake of that fruit and not just then, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's when you look at this, you're just like, again, like putting this in your day to day, like how you see it. It's like that's how he gets you is that he's like, well, you're told to do this. Well, then just do it this way. Well, I know, I know that this isn't God's way, but it's in the end, it's the
1: same thing. So just do it my way. And and it feels like to me, he's he's trying to introduce a shortcut, and there are no shortcuts to glory, only humiliation and disappointment. And and he's saying, yeah, this is the way you're supposed to do it. Let me just speed things up and do it now. And and it's it's more about who are you going to listen to to get there? Who are you going that to choose his angle? to follow? Is that his angle? Because that's the other question. Is like, what does he get out of this? Because if, if the choice in the beginning was you can, you can choose the only begotten who, who, by the way, is going to serve everyone and help you to develop and become like God, or you can choose this alternative who's going to make everyone gods on a shortcut, and would that work? Look at Satan. Satan who's saying, let the honor be mine, let the power be mine, let the credit be mine, and I am going to get you there, and I am going to be there. He is trying to take a shortcut, but if he is God and the God of this world, what does he offer, and how is he taking care of people? How is he serving people? Who would really want him to be their God if he could care less about you and more about lining his pockets or padding his glory? So this is about him then? This is about him. It's like there's he he gets a thrill from
0: the idea that I was able to even get these guys to like obey me
1: and not obey God. He's he's yeah, it's here's 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 where we want to get choose me to get you there.
0: Does he have any sort of inclination that this actually is going to kill them and that's the end of the plan? Or does he know better? That's a good question. Because the thing is, is like I guess I guess I'm just saying it's like, and when we kind of when we when we when we're in the temple, and we're kind of we're learning about this story specifically. There's so many times that I just keep asking myself, is it truly at the core just pride at this point? Because the thing is, is one we've already talked about this and established, his plan literally just can't work without the universe <laughs> bursting into chaos, right? He can't take away our agency. He doesn't have the power to do that, okay? Even, even, even if, even if his plan, even if his plan was like, oh, okay, cool, we okay your plan, you get to take away every, everybody's agency. In my opinion, cool, the Earth just bursts into chaos, God ceases to become God. Whatever, we have our agency as the core one thing that we have. So we've already established that. Two, it didn't work, anyways, and he got cast out with his with his friends. So. Now it doesn't work. Still, I'm just going, at what point is it like, okay, well, it wasn't going to work. It didn't work. I've been cast out at this point. I've been sent down here.
1: What at that point does it become about for him? And Uh, I think it's just a continuing rebellion, this idea that he can get enough people to follow him. That, that he can what? say God changes his mind? That, I was right, God. You were wrong. This idea that I, I am God. Because what makes him God? He's still going to live forever. He still exists. But this idea that now everyone's following him and now he's being worshipped. So he a, becomes God. So it just God. becomes a
0: pride thing. And if that's the case and here's where I'm going with this. I don't want to take too much time on this because we need to keep moving. But I think that there's something very interesting about the idea then. If if truly what it comes down to is pride, right, at the core of it, which, by the way, we're commanded to be aware of on all fronts and is pretty much when you really get back to people's downfall, nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, it always comes back to that thing, right? And I see it in my world. I see it in business-wise, and I I can see it all around – I see it in the fall of politics, I see it in you know what I mean? It anything we do with. And of course in myself and in each of our lives, it's absolutely something that we have to be aware of and combat. But I guess I'm just wondering is like is this the ultimate warning of like this is how destructive this thing called pride can be, which is it's about me, it's about my glory, it's about it's about what other people think about me more than what God thinks about me. You know I mean? All of the things that pride actually are is, is this in a weird sort of a way, like the perfect illustration of, of what, how destructive and terrible and evil and
1: corruptive pride is. Yeah. And, and maybe a good example is like the prince and the pauper, right? I mean, it's a story that you hear all the time, the, 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 the prideful prince that gets humbled going down into humble circumstances and, 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 and the humble one that you, almost that role reversal, right? And, and you see that contrast, you see that difference. And, and if Satan is offering a shortcut to becoming gods, a shortcut to salvation, if I were saved today to become a god what kind of God would I be if I didn't go through that learning process, if I didn't learn how to, to serve, to give of myself, to, to be like God who came down and was washing the feet of all of his apostles? What kind of God would I be if I didn't love my creation so much that I was willing to sacrifice everything I was to, to help them? Including your pride. To love including them, your... especially,
0: especially. <laughs> exactly. my pride. Right? but including your free will. Like if you were willing to offer that on the altar, right? I put my, I will, do, I will do what I'm being asked to do by God by my own free will.
1: And, and that maybe is the core of what makes God a God. If you shortcut that process without changing the attitude, changing the, the, the pride to humility, could you ever be a God? And what creation would worship you? if it was all about you and not about them. And, Interesting thought. And, and to me, he's offering the same thing God's offering, but not quite. I mean, he's making it appear like, like the same thing that God is offering. And, and, and maybe that's my, my, one of the important distinctions about Satan is he did not create anything. He did not go and create right. another world. That's right. He did not go and create mankind. He did not go and create his own little thing that's going to work. All he can do is try to imitate and pervert what already exists and offer a twisted version that's just not going to work.
0: Which is which is his common theme, which is his MO. Throughout and, all these things, not just this. This is just the perfect illustration of it.
1: Yeah, and and God said, he says, you know, they hear his voice as he's walking in the cool of the day in the garden. He was coming back. Adam was looking for further light and knowledge. What is the fruit that he's eating here? Knowledge. God was coming to give him knowledge. He he if he would have waited on the Lord, he would have gotten what he was looking for anyways. And and so I refuse to believe that the plan of god was hinging on an on on a satan that had to try to swing things the opposite direction Great. that that here god is laying things out and 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 giving man a chance and man in his impatientness or looking at things and feeling like he knew more than god and and pride pride i i i can't trust god because Here's the knowledge. This is what I need to do to be a God. I'm worried I need to do this. I'm going to do it without knowing if this is what I need to do. And by the way, it is also kind of a story
0: that illustrates really perfectly the anxiety that we have sometimes when we're not getting the knowledge that we want or the answers that we want on the timeline that we want. I yep. mean, truly. Or, or that we're not getting to participate in the awesome things in life. Let's just say that on the timeline that we want to Mm -hmm. right like this is also kind of just a perfect example of slow down if you truly put your trust in god part of that comes with trusting in his timeline and not your timeline exactly right and
1: and it's even harder now i feel than than maybe even times past because we have something almost like a Urim and Thummim we carry with us, totally. us everywhere, exactly where we just right. look at it and get answers to anything we want. And 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 if we don't get an answer that we need, we're so used to having it, we can't be patient. And if we can't be patient to wait on the Lord's response to where we make up our own response instead and replace His knowledge with with artificial knowledge or how we understand things or the wisdom of man... Mingled. Mingled in there with Scripture because we're not willing to wait for the Lord to give us that knowledge. We're taking the substitute. We're taking the shortcut. We're taking the devil's plan to try to get to. And, and that's the thing. He's using religion. And, and how many atrocities have been committed in the world in the name of God, in the name of I am going to be righteous all you look at the persecution from the early saints and what they went through.
0: I mean, you go back to you go back for forever.
1: Go back to the Crusades. The Crusades. Go back to, uh, yeah, history
0: is is full of that. It's interesting. I want to make sure to I want to make sure I know that we're we've harped on this enough and we can move on. But I want to make I just want to put a fine point on what you just said though, which is we now have the resources that at any given moment at any given time we can be given the philosophies of men at any given time you can always find an answer which is terrifying by the way because it doesn't mean it's the right answer it's an answer and at any given moment you can be told the answer to any question the scary part about that is is that that's not how
1: god works well and and it maybe put even a finer point on it, because in Doctrine and Covenants it says, "Learn by study and by faith," right? And you have this combination: seek wisdom from the best books. So there is there is merit behind discussing things. Don't there is merit. I'm not saying don't go
0: learn things and don't go seek out information, but what I am saying is, is that some things, and I would say the most important things that we will be given or learn in this life will require, which, by the way, is a fundamental principle, sacrifice. Yes. I do not believe that the most important things in this life come from anything but actual sacrifice. What that sacrifice is, it varies. It's different, right? But nothing that's worth having on an eternal perspective comes easy, which goes back to your idea that Satan wants to give you the cheap, bastardized shortcut version of it yes nothing come nothing that is eternal and worthwhile and and of that um worth comes without sacrifice just keep that in mind as we're trying to learn (laughs) you know what i mean as we're trying to get answers as we're trying to learn as we're trying to improve, by the way, this is, I'm speaking now 100% to me, and I have to remind myself of this because I still have terrible habits that I'm trying to break. And I even then realize that's part of it too, though, is that there is no quick fix even for those things because oh, sacrifice is hard. That's not an easy thing.
1: And, and even looking at uh, mythology, I mean, you look at Odin who who pulled his eye out in, in order to gain knowledge. I mean it cost him a price and, and there is a price to pay for for being like God. and And that price is our will, is our pride. is is sacrificing who we are to to put God's will first, which teaches us, to put others first, to be humble, to not be the greatest person in the room, but but to be meek, to be like a child. And if we try to shortcut and pass all it and, and get through that process without leaving that at the altar, we never arrive because we're not able to handle that power. And and
0: final point, and then we do have to move on. And by the way, there is somebody that's gonna be right there going, Oh, don't worry, I'll give you the easy way. <laughs> I'm just saying Absolutely. There is somebody that will be there every time when you feel like you're at your wits' end and that you don't have any more patience and you can't wait any longer. I promise you 100% of the time there will be somebody else there going, oh, don't worry. Here's the, here's the cheap way. Here's the shortcut. You, will, 100% of the time I can promise you that. Mm-hmm. All right. We got to move on. Blessed are those that wait on the Lord. Blessed are those, baby. And, I'm and working on it, <laughs> let's just say. I'm, I'm speaking to myself more than anybody else at this point.
1: Well, that's what makes it great. Let's keep going. Sounds great. And um, and I think it's fascinating that Satan is cast out for trying to make himself like God, and now he's trying to make man do the same thing, and and yet it gives being like God a bad rap, saying, oh, it's it's arrogant that you want to be like God. But no, th- this is the plan. But the plan is to do it the Lord's way. And we're going to run into this, by the way. When we talk about the sacrifice that Cain offers versus the sacrifice that Abel offers. In Genesis, we don't get a lot of insight in this, but in Moses, uh, from Joseph Smith's translation, it says that Satan commands Cain to offer his offering. And so it's not, it's, it's him, again, who he's listening to and who he's sacrificing for I, I, and and maybe it's in the right name, or this idea that he needs to sacrifice to be like God, or this is an image of the only begotten. But he's doing it because he's following a different God, and 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 there's also so consequences that follow with this, right? And this idea that Adam and Eve, after they partake of the fruit, find themselves naked in the garden. And and this is a theme that plays itself out. Um, even before, in, in chapter 2, the very last verse, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Um, but yet, when they take of the fruit, this idea that they find themselves naked, and there's some weird wordplay coming on with with the, with the serpent as well. When we look at chapter 3, verse 1, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, and if you look at the paragraph markings, uh, you don't have a paragraph marking here for for a while. You can take this thought; it almost straddles both worlds. Um, the word for subtle in Hebrew, a ar- room, is it, it's it's one letter different from the word for naked, but they're phonetically the same. So so there's almost some wordplay here, saying. Adam and Eve were naked, but the serpent was even more naked. And you talk about Satan being cast out and losing the light. And and there's legends here that when Adam and Eve partake of the fruit, they were initially clothed with light in the Garden of Eden. They take of the fruit and they lose the light that was like a garment for them, and they find themselves naked or without light. And the Satan was even more naked when you look at the fall that he had preceded. He had fallen first, and now he's walking them through this fall. And, and this kind of wordplay, it's it, it's it's worth pointing out. There's there some cool things that are happening here. Um, when you talk about Adam, the name Adam itself being made from the dust of the earth, uh, the earth, the, the word is Adama. So you're creating Adam from Adama. Literally, the word Adam comes from Adama and you're creating him from Adama. But then you're taking it by losing that A-H ending, right? Adamah to Adam. But then you're taking Ish, which doesn't have the A-H ending, which means man, and you're creating woman, which does have the A-H. So you're almost going from this Adama to Adam, now man, Ish to Isha, back full cycle almost in this whole little deal, where there's just some, I don't know, kind of some weird, cool... Wordplay that's happening throughout the story For okay. for, for what it's worth um, So let's go into these guys As they find themselves naked And and talk about The significance of that When we Do something That we shouldn't I, One of the first things we want to do is, is hide it I, I think that's just our nature We don't want other people to know what we did To the point where uh, sometimes it, it, it creates pressure to lie about what happened, to hide it. And that's the reaction you get with Adam and Eve. They find their nakedness, and so what are they first going to do? They're going to try to sew fig leaves together to hide their nakedness. And, and the, 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 the idea of being naked and being seen naked, exposed, it creates feelings of vulnerability, embarrassment and and it's a perfect image to to put into perspective what happens when we sin. When we sin and if people find out about it, it creates us to feel embarrassed. It's just as if we have have exposed ourselves In a humiliating way to others, we find ourselves naked. So this idea of man and and woman finding themselves naked and being embarrassed and trying to hide from the presence of God, perfect type for for sin and how it feels, and it creates that powerful imagery and helps us understand sin in context of being exposed. And so they hide themselves from God. First, they try to fix it themselves. That this is something that goes more than that. When, when God is going to cover them, he now makes coats of skin and clothes them. And now and some people refer to this as they, they lost the garment of light, they lost their light, and they're naked, but he's going to clothe them with mortality, and this is what introduces death into this world, the idea that now they're clothed with a mortal skin, a mortal body, that they can now die. And and, and you look again at what Satan was saying and what God was saying and, and who was telling the truth. God says that in the day you eat of the fruit you will die death is introduced and and in that very day now they're clothed in mortality death is introduced into the world for adam and eve he's he's absolutely right but then satan says you will not die in the day that you eat you will not die and in that 24hour period of time certainly no they did not die that consequence is not right there in the foreseeable i mean he's He's saying you're not going to die. Well, yeah, you're not going to die today, but death is a consequence of, of what they did. And, and so you can kind of see that the way he lies is more in perception, and, and it's a sneakier kind of lying and, and, and it was kind of uh, going back to that story of Abaddon. They, they said uh, when, when, when they took him and they cut him from shoulder to shoulder and it stripped a lot of his strength and he, he had to be cast down and lost his ability to fly, his wings were broken. But they said because his power was stripped from him physically, he could not physically dominate anymore and he had to rely on subtlety. He had to rely on crafty. He had to rely on deceit. And this idea that he's lying, not not maybe in outright lies, but sometimes we do the same thing as, as, as maybe we say something that's true, but we say it in such a way that we're being deceptive and creating the wrong impression and leading people along without necessarily lying. I don't know. I, I, I feel like kids can be pretty good at that sometimes. I've i have been pretty good at that sometimes. Not that it's a proud thing to be good at, but that's how he works. That's Cool. Let's keep going. That's, uh, yeah. All right. Next up. Um, when we're talking about the consequence of the fall, I think, uh, a powerful thing here that he says is enmity. When the Lord says, I will put enmity between, between thee and the seed of the woman, and, and you will have power to, to bite her heel and, and she'll have power to crush your head. And you talk about, what that enmity has resulted in in the world today. It is when we demonize others that we capitalize on the the hatred that we have for Satan to allow us to commit atrocities that we otherwise wouldn't commit. When you talk about raising... False priests or armies or doing things to destroy the world. look at look at the, the the rage that's created as you demonize the the Nazi troops and make them seem inhuman and 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 you look at uh, Vietnam or the soldiers, and they're called baby killers. if If you can take somebody, and explain them in terms of being a demon or a devil or being Satan, naturally you're going to get a lot of people to jump on the bandwagon and hate them because you're using that natural enmity for Satan to inspire a hatred and inspire wars and violence and, and all of those things that we were talking about a little bit earlier. And, and God, in his wisdom, knowing that man now has this knowledge, but he is going to, to die, man could partake of the tree of life now and live forever. But if he does, he's going to live forever in a fallen state, in a state he can't be with God. So he places cherubim with the flaming sword. Uh, maybe a, a funny little story here in, in modern Hebrew, uh, they, they didn't have a word for cabbage, because Hebrew was a dead language, you have to kind of resurrect it with, birds, with words that you have in the Bible, right? And there there was no word for cabbage. No one spoke this language. So they try to take a word that they don't normally use. I mean, cherubim became the word for cabbage in, in modern Hebrew. So if you're reading the Bible from a modern Hebrew perspective... God put cabbages in the Garden of Eden with the flaming sword. Yeah. These, these cabbage patch kids. <laughs> Had some real heartburn, baby. To, to, to guard the way of the tree of life to keep them from living forever in their sins. And you look at the tree of life and it's being protected by cherubim or, or it's forbidden, it's restricted, it requires special access to get to it. and And, and going to this idea... Lehi partakes of the tree of life, but is he restricting anyone from coming to the tree? He's, he's instead inviting everyone to come. Mm. And this idea that the atonement is the tree of life and God does want us to partake of it. The thing is, we have to go through preparation and change ourselves before we can take the tree of life. Yeah, and in Lehi's dream,
0: it's not like you started at the tree of life. It's not like you started there and he was saying, okay, now we all just started here. Everybody eat this. Adam and Eve started at the Tree of Life, right? Mm -hmm. Like they actually physically were like, hey, this is in the garden with the rest of us. I think that that's a pretty important distinction between those two stories is that Lehi was inviting people to walk the straight and narrow path, make it through, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the darkness, avoid the pitfalls along the way, and then meet him there at the end. Right, like he, like to your point, there's there's a lot of context to the difference between those two stories.
1: And after Adam takes the fruit that he shouldn't, he's separated That's physically it. from That's it. Exactly right, and and, and this is to work his way back, and had to work his way back with angels standing as sentinels, cherubim guarding yes. the way. And and what are they guarding it? How do you get by? God says everyone's welcome to come back, but how do you get back? And the cool thing is. You, you look at this Garden of Eden, it, we've already talked about it being on a raised surface because the water flows down out of it. Uh, you look at the, the tree being inside of there, you look at the structure of it, the presence of God inside of the garden, and, and being cast out to, to where you're cast out, uh, to travel back in as it faces east, you have to take this direction back into the west, go back into to, to the presence of, of the Lord.
0: Well, you have to sacrifice and then climb back up to it, right?
1: Yes, and, and and going on with our discussion of Moses and the exceedingly high mountain, there is a price that has to be paid. And, and when you look at... Like when I was a kid, we used to go to the Fun Dome up in Sandy or whatever, right? And they have the all the arcades and you have the tokens to play the different machines. But in order to get a token, you have to pay real money in the machine and exchange it for the token, right? Well, in order to, to pay a token to be able to get into partaking of the Tree of Life there are certain commitments or promises that have to be paid, and you pay these prices and receive these tokens that you can use to pass through the sentinels, the angels, and and that is the whole process of restoration. And, And the idea that every temple subsequent to the Adam and Eve leaving the garden was designed to replicate the garden itself. The menorah was shaped like a tree that was sitting inside of the holy place. The curtains had cherubim woven in it, separating the outside world from being able to go into the tree. And the idea that the endowment, and and by the way, the word endowment is used interchangeably by Joseph Smith with endowment. Endowment comes from the Greek to be clothed. This idea that endowed is to be clothed or or put a clothing upon you of power to allow you this gift.
0: Well, similar to the similar to the
1: light that Adam and Eve were clothed with before
0: they found themselves naked.
1: Yes, and and the restoration, this is you lost your clothing, now when Christ sacrifices animals to give them coats of skin, cuz I mean, where are you getting the skin from if you're not sacrificing? Yeah,
0: I mean that that's an important thing is that even then there has to be death to be restoration.
1: And it's it's symbolic of him coming to die at a future time. His life is going to pay the price to allow them, if they they subscribe to certain behaviors, certain covenants, they'll receive certain tokens that allow them to pay that price. They will be clothed upon to cover their nakedness. The Hebrew word for clothe is kafar, which is translated as atonement. The same word, so you see clothed, you can translate it as atoned if, if it's coming from this, this kafar, which is where we get Yom Kippur, day of covering or day of atonement. So you get back in and you're covered and allowed to go and now partake of that tree now that you're ready. So it's not that God's saying never come partake, never become like God, it's Get ready first. And, what did, and it's funny because what did,
0: what did we, I mean, to kind of full circle on this, right, is that is that what God requires f- because of that separation is a long and arduous journey, right? And mm-hmm. what is the first thing that we're taught? What's the first principle that we learn about in the temple? What's the first thing Adam and Eve were commanded to do when they were kicked out of the garden? Offer sacrifice. So, sacrifice, even then, is like this comes back full circle, right? Sacrifice is required. Patience is required. A long journey is required. And again, we've talked about the symbolisms with like the baptismal font and how that's just the very beginning, but even the idea of of traversing space and time or that sea between us and, and god right the idea of knowing his ark you know what i mean it's like there there's so many the ark of the covenant right is that is that all of this still pertains to a journey or a traveling from a physical separation right even our journey right as we are as we are born into this world there is a separation there I mean, between us and our mother or the person that is in this in this role playing God or the person, you know what I mean, giving life, right? Is that there's there's always the symbolism of the physical separation requiring a journey to get back to it, right? Yes. And who was right there to go, hey, I have a faster way to do this? Who is right there to go Hey here's the shortcut back Here's a side door Here's the side door Look go take that fruit Look the other tree's right there <laughs> Grab it I mean? Grab it quick Quick Take this one Go get that one Thank God Cherubim's there to be like No 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 You can come back here And by the way That's the other thing too Right Is that you look at that And, and God placed cherubim in the, um, Cherubim and the flaming sword In front of that tree But not without hope Of ever getting back to it It's like no 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 now you've just got to do the journey. You've, you've just got to make the arduous journey back.
1: And, and this is why I love the Old Testament so much, is understanding the context of the Old Testament makes the New Testament make so much more sense. Look at the, the atonement and Christ's death in context of the fall. Because remember, Golgotha is a hill, just like the Garden of Eden. And on there you have crosses just like trees. And if you have the cross representing a tree of death, which is going to kill Christ, and yet he is being affixed to it as a tree of life that is overcoming the consequences of the tree of death, and you have guards standing there, literally Roman guards, protecting his body and keeping him on the cross like cherubim, keeping people away from the body from partaking of the body or taking the body and 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 then even when he dies and the veil is rent this passing through the veil that the, the atonement is recreating the instance of paradise in the old testament and allowing people to see that the consequences of the fall can be reversed and transversed back into the presence of God. Now that the veils rent, we can all enter the presence of God. And I love that the Old Testament gives us that insight and allows us to complete the puzzle and fully understand what the atonement means to us today. Great stuff, my man. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, maybe just a quick uh, scripture to, to cap that off, 2 Corinthians 5, 1-4. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so being that being clothed, we shall not be found naked." For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. All right. I think that's it as far as Adam and Eve. Um, Maybe let's dive into the story of Cain and Abel a little bit and and, and get through some of that good stuff before we run completely out of time. Okay. And one fascinating thing for me... Is, is you've got Adam and Eve, and we know that he has Cain, we know that he has Abel, and we know we know that they have Seth. But out of three boys, how do you get the entire world population? Tricky. That, that's that's <laughs> not going to work. And it talks about—and and, and we get a little bit of an introduction here to begatting, not, not full-on begatting, but a little bit of begatting when right. we talk about Cain's children. Uh, so we know that they have wives— but why don't they talk about it? And, and, and for me, this is the cool, an, another cool part of the Bible is that the symbolism and the stories being told here is, say he has hundreds of kids, or 30 kids, or 20 kids, or, or obviously more than just three, or we wouldn't have our, our posterity today. But by only mentioning the three, you have Cain, Abel, and Seth. Of those three, Abel and Seth are counted as righteous, and Cain is 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 counted as wicked and cast out. I, that's an interesting equation that I feel like we've seen before. Yeah, and this idea that one third of Adam's children fall away and are cast out. Adam playing the role of God here with his wife and and his children, and then you have this this that. Idea is that the scriptures are telling us God's story and and setting the stage. And really, the Old Testament is the, the family history of Christ, leading us up to the story of Christ and how he's going to save his children. But through here, you can almost see the voice of God telling us a greater story or telling us about where we are, where we come from. And the story repeats with Ham and his three kids. And it's just, it's interesting. We've seen it before. We've talked about it before. That's all I'll say as we move into the next deal with Cain, Abel, and Seth. Um, Cain is, is Satan says, go and offer a sacrifice. And he offers the, the fruit of the ground. And and as I try to look at this and understand what went wrong for him, because I, I believe God commands to, uh, for this children to offer the first of their fruit and the first of their flocks. And the big difference between Cain and Abel right now is Abel is a shepherd. He's going out with the flocks. Cain is a gardener. He's got the, the plants and, and the crops. The shepherd versus the gardener, this is the very first instance we have of those two having a struggle, an issue. This is going to play a prominent role, not only throughout the Bible, but throughout all of history. The Egyptians, established city dwellers, Hyksos come in, these shepherds conquer Egypt, and now they have these foreign rulers. They hate shepherds. They distrust shepherds. So much so, Joseph tells his dad when he brings him down into Egypt, "Don't tell them you're shepherds. <laughs> they don't like shepherds. Tell 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 them you raise cattle, but not, not sheep." And and you you it it happens over and over throughout all of history. This rivalry that starts with these first brothers between your your nomadic versus your city dwellers, and and even in throughout all of Israel being the shepherd was like the hated chore. You always put it on the youngest son. Like, hey, you're the youngest now. It's your turn. You go do it. nobody liked the shepherds. Which also is gonna flavor when when Christ is born the fact that shepherds come and visit him, representing one end of the social spectrum versus the magi representing the, the exact opposite end. But this is where that story begins, even from the beginning, Cain and Abel. But when it says that he's, even though they say the first of your fields and the first of your flocks, Cain's sacrifice is not accepted. And and I... I read this and wonder when he says he offered the fruit of the ground that could mean a couple of different things one it could mean that the ground produced it by by growing the plants and so he's harvesting his plants and and giving it to the lord but i wonder if he's not literally picking up the fruit that fell to the ground oh interesting because who's offering who's who's telling him to offer the sacrifice According to the book of Moses, it's Satan. And if you're offering it in a similitude of your God, Satan, Cain's God, was cast to the earth. Grab the fruit that was cast out. And and this is fruit typically that is the early fruit, right? It's, it's It's not the new, young, small, firm fruit that's stuck on the tree. It's the one that's been there the longest, that's a little bit older and heavier, that's falling to the ground. Grab that first fruit that's fallen to the ground it's rotting and cast out and that's a similitude of the god that you've chosen to follow
0: by the way it's a lot easier just to walk around and grab fruit off the ground than it is to not a lot uh, of work i'm just saying as 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 we are talking about today mm-hmm. it's a lot easier just to walk around and snag up a bunch of the rotten fruit off the ground than it is to climb up a tree and grab it
1: what's the what's the price you're willing to pay for the knowledge or are you looking for the shortcut Keeps coming back. Keeps coming back. And so how do we know that God accepted one and not the other? And it's interesting because God is straight on having conversations with Cain at this point. Why are you disappointed? Why are you wrought? Do you not know that I will accept if you if you do what is right? and uh, some stories or accounts about this, they say that fire came down from heaven and consumed Abel's sacrifice but didn't touch Cain's, which gives you an idea of, of how... Of how he was known, um, and there's all sorts of different stories that that talk about this time period, and Abel having a twin sister, and Cain having a twin sister, and Cain was jealous that Abel was able to marry his twin, and it, <laughs> there's weird stories that that, that go into this. I, I'm not going to dive into too many of those. We don't need
0: to do that. Not not with the very little time we have left.
1: No, no. Um, but for whatever, for Cain, Cain is upset, jealous with Abel. And, and he rises up. Here we have the first murder. And, and Cain gets a mark put upon him. The book of Moses explains this indifferently when it talks about uh, secret combinations. He killed Abel to get gain, to inherit his flocks. And now he can offer the first of the flocks as well as part of his sacrifice and make things right. But he's doing it to get gain, and he creates this oath and the secret combination to go and kill Abel for it. And now Cain is cursed and cast out, and and Abel's dead. Adam and Eve are distraught, and they wait, it, it, according to some accounts, as much as 30 years before they go and, and have another son, and Seth becomes their, their new heir. And, and in some stories they talk about um, Cain... It says right in the Bible that he is he is distraught and says people are going to hate me and they're gonna kill me and the Lord sets a, a, a mark upon him so that people won't slay him and he's this vagabond and you could have a whole discussion on capital punishment or justice or whatnot. I'm not even gonna I'm not even going touch that right now. Um, but what is the fate of Cain? and what happens? And, and right after this, they're going to go through Cain's descendants and you get to this guy named Lamech. And for whatever reason, you get this focus on Lamech who says, hey, if, if Cain was cursed seven times, I'm going to be cursed 70 times seven times because I've wounded a, a young man to his killing, to, to, to killing him. So now you have this second murder. What's the deal with Lamech? Who did he kill? Why does he have two wives? And where, what, where does he fit into all of this? And in a lot of accounts, they actually say that the person that Lamech kills is Cain himself. Oh. And and so who knows what actually happens. Some say that because Cain used uh, whatever instrument he used to kill Abel, and they suspect it was stone, it was stone that killed Cain. So they say in in one story that Lamech was leaning on a stone wall. He didn't realize Cain was on the other side. The stones became loose and fell and Cain was killed by stones crushed on uh, from Lamech. Another story says that, that it was actually a house built out of stone, and the stones collapse on Cain, and he dies, and he's killed by the same instrument that he had killed Abel with. Another story says that Lamech was actually a really good archer, but blind, which makes no sense. And he'd have a young man that would just point, and he would shoot it wherever How the can- young man was pointing. How could he see where he was pointing? All right, I, right? we got to
0: keep going. We're running out of time.
1: And then the young man points to rustling in the woods, and he oh shoots, and it's Kane, okay. and Kane dies.
0: All right. <laughs> All right, let's...
1: <laughs> Who knows what happens? Okay, to I Okay,
0: I love these stories. I want to know what happens to Kane, but I really want to finish this podcast in some sort of a decent time. All right, next week we're going to be talking about some baguettes. Jason, I got a little surprise for you, for our listeners. Um, and anything else we need to talk about now, or are we good?
1: I think uh, I think. good. We- All right,
0: until next week.
1: See ya.